Welcome to the Mama Fixer podcast, where I share all my musings about digital life, family, being a working mom, and anything else in between. Hello and welcome to the Mama Fixer Digital Podcast. I'm your host, Mukuka Chanda. Settle in and get your beverage of choice at the ready, your pen and your notebook on standby to take down the tips, tricks, hacks, and ideas that we'll be dropping today in the podcast. My guest today is Nomsa. She's a startup and high growth strategy specialist with over 12 years of experience in her field. I'm really excited to have her um, on the podcast today. I was introduced to Nomsa through a mutual friend of ours. And when I started to talk to her, I was like, okay, you know what? I feel like she's giving me free gems and other people need to listen to what she has to say. Um, So as I said, she's had 12 years of experience specifically in digital startups, e-commerce, implementation, management consulting, technology and innovation. She's also taken on roles in executive management, business development, strategic leadership, execution, change management, business analytics, sales and process improvement. I mean, She's basically the woman you think she is, yeah? She's the woman that you need to be working with. And in this, podca- in this podcast, you'll get to know why you should be working with her. And without further ado, welcome, Nomsa. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I need to hire you for my PR. Even I don't believe that's me as you're talking. <laughs> we've got to hype you. Listen, we've got to hype you. Um, but it's not... Here for the hype. <laughs> yeah, so and it's not lies. So um, we're going to delve into your career. And the first thing that I would like to do is let's talk about your role. Um, if you could explain to a kid in grade five what a startup and high growth strategy specialist is, how would you do it? Okay, that's a really nice question. And, and because um, I think I get asked that even by grown-ups. And I even sometimes I'm sitting there, I'm like, am I saying it right? Um, but essentially, what what we do is that we come into your startup, startup being a business that you've literally just started um, and is just going beyond ideation stage, um, or we come into an, a medium-sized business, which is usually a business that's proved its concept and is scaling, and we sit down with you and we say, you know, what are your pain points? Because, you know, every business wants to grow and become better and make impact in what they do, but you do get to that stage where you might be a bit stuck. Um, so my job is to come in, sit with you, look at where your pain points are, see where you want to go and come up with a strategy. But it really doesn't stop there because I always say strategy is great and it's all, you know, we can write it down in great presentations and put boards up in the sky and all of that, but the implementation is what matters. So I think that's the most exciting part where I hold my client's hand or the startup or the SME or the founder or the entrepreneur, and we actually implement, we roll up our sleeves and we implement the strategies that we've put um, together so that we can see the fruits, the fruits of that. And that, that can be from product development to revenue increase um, to people management and just building a better team. Um, but the, the point is always um, to get us to the next level. Fantastic. So obviously there's always something, I think with a lot of people and the careers that they choose or the, or the industries that they're in, there's always some misconceptions around what it is that they do. So in the time that you've done it, I mean, 12 years is quite some time. Um, what are some of the common misconceptions that people have about you and the role that you, um, that you play when you come to them, like they'll say to you, look, Nomsa, I want a, a high growth strategy specialist. You're the person that I want. A startup asks you to do it. And then you start the work and then you realize that, hang on a second, you actually thought you wanted me to do this because this is what you thought my role was about. Like what are the some of the common misconceptions? I think some of the common misconceptions are that, you know, because we use this word strategy a lot, that it ends there, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. So find is that yes, we'll come up with a strategy which we generally document and we put in lovely pictures and we speak really great English about the, the great things we want to achieve. 
um, and then you think it ends there. Mm-hmm. But we have to implement. Yeah. So there's actual physical work yeah. that that needs to be done. Yeah. And you as client, you as the startup, you as entrepreneur have to sit with me and roll up your sleeves and we've got to get this thing done. Yeah. Um, so I think the misconception is generally that it's all a big idea um, uh-huh. and there isn't actual physical work that we're going to do. Okay. Do you ever find that when it comes to the implementation side of things um, that you have people who um, say to you that, okay, this is what I'm kind of expecting and then you're implementing the strategy that you've created for them and then you're surprised by the outcome is that ever something that has ever happened to you where you're like well I created I know I created the strategy and I kind of thought like okay when we implement this this will happen but then something bigger than what you expected happened have you ever experienced that and what what does that look like I have actually it happens a lot um and and that's (laughs) I guess that that could be a testament of my character in terms of just uh needing to be more conscious but I think bigger things always always come out of you know the intention Mm -hmm. and the reason I say that is that you know usually when we start there's always a pain point and we're looking to fix the immediate problem Mm -hmm. but with SMEs and with startups because you don't have much pathway be it financially um, be it from a time perspective and you generally don't have support you never have time to really deep dive and think through the things that you want to achieve and finally when when you have someone who's there to support you mm-hmm. you're no longer what I always describe as there's a big difference in being in your business mm-hmm. right yes. day. Yes. and 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 then having the opportunity to stand outside of your business and watch your business yeah and so finally when somebody comes in particularly for founders and entrepreneurs and gives you the ability and the assurance and the confidence that they can actually step out of their business and take a bird's eye view and see what it looks like and what they don't like and what they do like and then allow them to step back in you you allow that person to just come out and bring even better ideas and you allow them to clarify their vision and when the vision is clarified it's then communicated better to the team Mm. Um, so you see a happier team you see a better product Um, and you and it's just always the most rewarding experience to to see an entrepreneur and founder just excel and confidently excel without anxiety yeah which is um, such an interesting thing when you're talking about working when you're working in the business and then having the opportunities kind of step outside of it. It's not a, it's not something that um, happens often. And a lot of people don't understand. I think, I mean, from my experience, I'm a digital strategist. So a lot of the times when I come in and I talk to someone and I say, listen, your social media and your digital media strategy, mm, it's not, it's not giving what you think it's giving, or it's not presenting what you think it's presenting. And a lot of the times, because like you said, they're so bogged down in the day-to-day parts of their business, they never have that time to actually look outside and be like, well, is my digital marketing strategy working? What is it? What am I actually achieving? What is it that I'm doing? Until they have somebody who comes from the outside and says, um, let me just lift up the curtain for you and just, just step back a bit and have a look at what it is that um, you're experiencing. So I think that's also such a lovely thing to point out. Like there's that for, especially for anybody who's a founder or entrepreneur listening to the podcast about if they, if they're trying to decide whether they need somebody like a Nomsa or a Makuka, it, they, I think one of the deciding factors is it gives you a chance to kind of step back and look at your business um, without being like being bogged down by the everyday type of things like that you need somebody like that would you kind of agree with that like that's one of your selling points to be like listen you need somebody to kind of pull you and be like come and stand here with me and see what we're what we're trying to achieve no I totally totally agree with that and and for me I love the phrase you use when you say lift up the curtain and as you were talking 
um, I remember I had a, a client and uh, one of the biggest issues they actually had, and I, I wasn't there for that. I was there because we had a platform to build and I'm there to look at the product. But one of the biggest issues they actually had was a diversity issue. Mm. And so when, when, when somebody allows you to lift the curtain, like you're saying, mm. and really look into your business because you're no longer bogged down with the day-to-day, we're then actually able to have um, honest conversation. And I remember a business coach once saying to me, so there's always issues behind the issues, right? Yes. Behind the issues. And so I always found that when you, you go in and get on the ground and speak to the people and find out what the issues behind the issues are, those are actually the barriers that stop us from um, reaching a higher level mm. and you can never see that when you are in there every day when you are in there every day you're seeing the issues you're not yes. seeing the issues the yes issues. yes yeah oh my goodness I think we need to like pause on that one I mean I think like I said at the beginning of the podcast if you don't have your notebook out I've already written that down that there's always issues behind the issues I think that's such an important thing um, to remind like entrepreneurs and especially people um, on the continent. And I know you work mostly with startups, uh, African startups, correct? So yes. we have issues that we think like they're everyday type of issues. And then you find that, that, okay, there's something behind that big issue that they were like, maybe they might be like, oh, there's load shedding. Um, and then behind the load shedding issue, there's like a larger issue that then they, they don't even realize that there's an issue. And I think that's just such a really, really nice reminder. But another thing that I really wanted to also pinpoint what you just said is about the honesty chat. How honest or how, yeah, where, how, I mean, obviously honesty in any conversation or communication is important, but how honest do you feel startups um, get with you? Like, like, do you always find that everybody just kind of lays their cards on the table? Do you have to go, digging and poking for the for for the truth you have to go digging and I, I really i could say um you know everybody comes you know honestly and and saying this is this is what i need but i also don't think when they when they come they think they're being dishonest mm. or they or they are not they are not actively or consciously choosing to be dishonest nor are they um choosing not to lay out the full story mm-hmm. i just think it, it is yeah right um and it, it it takes when you when you're an entrepreneur and you've come up with an idea um i always say to people one of i wish i could put this on record there was a time where mark zuckerberg was in front of the senate mm-hmm. and they were speaking to him about all of these privacy issues that have existed. And, you know, they were pounding on him, right? Yeah. And in one of the moments, he literally said, listen, I was in my dorm room starting this thing while I was at school. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what else was expected of me. Yeah. And I think very, a lot of people missed how profound that was. For me, it was profound because I thought nobody really understands that when you have an idea and you start a business, right? All the barriers of entry that you have to go through and all the challenges that you have to go through, you are not going to see everything. Mm. There are a lot of things that you are going to miss. Mm. And because generally the thing that you are trying to do has never been done. Yeah. Are very few people who can immerse themselves in your experience and impart a lot of knowledge. So you are also a pioneer, right? And, and therefore, by virtue of that, you're, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have blind spots. Yes. Um, and no one, when you have a vision, sometimes you need to focus on what you need to do. And when people come and start saying things, it becomes noise to you, mm. right? Because you, you are under pressure. There's something that you need to achieve. So there, there's a lot of things that you also miss because they, they sound like noise to you or they seem like noise to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you bring in a nomsa, it's, then you're not going to talk about the noise yeah. because it was a, it was a distraction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so only then once we sit, um, there's, there's a lot of trust that goes into the process as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, because also being a founder, being an entrepreneur, having a start, it's actually a very lonely journey. 
and gosh <laughs> talk about it like I mean it, it's not it's not the easiest of things to do to to decide to be an entrepreneur in my books it is probably the hardest thing mm. one has to do and 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 I'm I'm speaking from from a professional level from a personal level um you there's things in life that happen to us um entrepreneur entrepreneurship can be one of those things that happen to you and it's a really lonely journey it's amazing the rewards can be really amazing mm-hmm. but it's a really lonely journey and by the fact that it's the fact that it's lonely means yeah. that there's very few people that you think you can trust on this mm-hmm. journey mm-hmm. um and therefore when we have to sit down and open up and say listen how do we make this journey better for you there are lots of barriers that we have to go through yeah. and as we work together and understand each other um then the trust builds yeah yeah um, there's also hard conversations that have to come into play because actually your idea might not that be great it might yeah. not that not it might not be as great as you as think, you it, think is. it is yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and that can that's a level of acceptance and that can be hard to accept Yeah and you only accept those things when you hear them from people that you trust and they resonate and it mm-hmm. resonates with you. Um so I think it I think it's my, my startups are always my babies. <laughs> uh, they really are and yeah. and and I say that because I have tried to be an entrepreneur. And mm-hmm. I think this is way I really decided this is where I wanted to be and I remember the journey and I remember thinking Oh, I'm alone in this. Who do yeah. I trust? Do people understand me? Also, because entrepreneurs are the crazy ones. Half the time your idea sounds really crazy. Yeah. It's such a um, leap of a leap of faith, I think. It's like you 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 have you have an idea and then you say one day that okay, let me try this idea out and let me see if I can um actually push this idea out there. Um and just to segue into talking about how everybody kind of says to african entrepreneurs now when i say everybody well the the conversation or the articles um the buzzwords are lack of access or access um being given to african entrepreneurs and especially when we talk when we talk about access we're talking about not only access to information but also access to digital access to tech and then somehow our entrepreneurship journey will somehow be easier than um it ever was before if we have access to this so in your opinion and you know based on the work that you've done in 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 the last few years um what uh, what obstacles do you see that um as africans that we're experiencing because of our lack of access or understanding of this space of digital uh, not only digital but of tech but also of the entrepreneurship space and what it requires of us that's a loaded question um <laughs> about rambling um but i think particularly in the digital and the tech space um one of the the biggest obstacles i see uh, obstacles i see is that it's an infrastructure right mm-hmm. infrastructure is led by government right so the synergy of of having government lead infrastructure while you're trying to lead innovation creates a huge gap or lag time mm. because african governments generally move at a very slow pace yes so within them having to be able to build and fund the infrastructure that we as digital startups need to sit on yeah we are generally more ahead so now we have to educate the government yes on top of educating our clients yeah and we have to educate them without the funding so you yeah. have to convince someone that what you are the future that you see is much brighter than what they they know and what they exposed to yes. um and i find that and then also if you look at government governments are led by a specific generation and you know the generation has wisdom the generation has experience yeah. um but there's certain things that they might not understand as the as the world changes at the pace that it 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 changes right so so finding that bridge and all of us coming together and understanding that is really really 
it's really difficult. I mean, I've seen startups wanting to do amazing things in the ed tech space, in the ag tech space, and in the health space. But a lot of this stuff is then led by policies. Because remember, your, your technology and your solution will always sit on government infrastructure. It will sit on government policies, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And if, I mean, if you just look at the Data Privacy Act, at the pace at which um, digital startups consume and produce data, this is where the policies of government are with, you know, data and yeah. the protection of that data. Two different worlds. Yeah. And, and so I just find that that's such a huge, it's such a huge obstacle and it's, it's, it's such a challenge. And as a startup, when you don't have a lot of runway, particularly from a funding perspective, mm. the, the amount of capital it takes for you to educate your customer, as well as educate your stakeholders mm. before you can even have your product being sold, yeah. that's painful. Yeah. And I think also you, you mentioned like, okay, you're talking about the data protection um, policies and I'm, I'm going to obviously let people know that you're based in South Africa. So you're talking about data protection policies that are in South Africa, correct? Just to clarify. Yes, I yeah. am. So now, um, you know, and this is, this is now going back into what, when we talk about obstacles, imagine you are a startup that is a South African startup and you've kind of worked your way around whatever data protection policies are based in South Africa. And you're a startup that wants to not only service people in, in South Africa, but people in Zambia, people in Malawi, people in Kenya, people in Rwanda. And then you move to, let's say, Zambia where our Data Protection Act um, <laughs> recently came into play. And it's not, I wouldn't say, I would say that it's not um, as established as South Africa's. And sometimes it's almost some of our policies are copy and paste without actually um, thinking about the consequences. When, and I'm talking about Zambian policies in terms, in, in, when it comes to things like data policy, cybersecurity, or any of those things. So I think that's also a large obstacle for African startups to say, in, depending on where you start your business, for you to even expand, and this is where your experience comes in, in terms of growth and, 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 and growing the um, startup beyond the borders, you now have to take into consideration what is happening in the country that you want to expand into and whether they have the sort of supportive structure that you might have found in your original uh, country. Have you found those type of experiences and like what would your advice be to startups that um, are going through that? Like how do you overcome things like that? Definitely. <laughs> I think you know the, the the obstacles are from a legislative point of view so mm -hmm. the structure of your company the vehicle that your company uses to go and establish itself in that country you find that sometimes you cannot move from south africa to Botswana to zambia with the same vehicle mm. because the legislation and the laws just don't allow for that right then we get barriers like the the the, the compliance the tax mm. um and then we've got issues with the actual customer the customer, uh, I, my biggest uh, pet peeve is when people describe Africa as this, the continent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's different I, across the board. Literally, I have to restrain myself every time someone says that because I'm like, well, the continent, you know, comprises of 54 states, mm. which have different languages, which all have different people, which all have different laws. Um, so it's not a blanket, your growth strategy in Africa cannot be what we did in South Africa will work in Zambia and it'll work in Kenya and it'll work in Nigeria. Mm. It just doesn't work that way. Um, also the, the, one of the painful things is also the movement of money, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Money between these countries is, is, I mean, big up to all the FinTech startups that are making borders irrelevant, um, but it is still a challenge. And so as a startup, you have to go in and say, I'm in South Africa now, I want to move into Kenya. Um, what, do, what, what are the things that I need to look at? And I find that local relevance is important. You cannot move into a country when you don't have a local representative who understands 
the culture, the laws, the people to mm. walk you through the journey. They, people who live in that market and are from that market become your gems, mm. right? They are going to tell you how to move and how to navigate. And you must have the humility to want to learn and to listen in order for your business to thrive in that market, mm. right? Mm. And mm. Be, open, be, be open to the changes that, you know, when you, when you build a startup and you um, create your processes, it's, it's such a painful experience to set processes and put them in place. And then when somebody finally says to you, oh, but in this country, we have to completely change those. Mm. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> the chest pains. The chest pains. Yeah, you're like, just, just from a human resources perspective, you know, we'll be like, oh, in our country, you can't hire people in that way. Mm. You know, which is which is why I love COVID because I'm like COVID, um, as as painful as it, it's been, it's opened up because now you can hire people remotely and still legislate them in the way that you actually want to legislate them. Yeah. Versus before, when each country now has their own employment act, their own yeah. employment equity act, and all of mm. those things. Mm. Um, so I would say to startups that want to scale and go into the different countries within our beautiful continent mm. uh, is that local relevance is important make sure that you have partners stakeholders mm -hmm. within that country that understand your mission and are, are for your mission mm -hmm. and you as the core of that business are willing to learn from these people and pivot according to how these people need you to pivot yeah, I think that's such an important um, point as well. I mean, especially when you look at recent um, happenings. <laughs> when I talk about recent happenings, I'm, I'm specifically looking at a particular country that decided to ban Twitter. Um, and, the, and that's Nigeria and how that um, kind of affected so many people, um, especially when I say people, mostly Nigerians, who have businesses in Nigeria and who rely extensively on Twitter to um, push their services or their products. And then one day, you know, um, the Nigerian government just wakes up and says, nope, we're banning mm -hmm. Twitter. You know, those are things you can't even begin to prepare for or prep for. Um, but I did see a tweet somewhere that said um, that, um, what businesses need to understand and there and and there was one one particular lady who was saying that um this was always going to happen and she said it was always going to happen and it was expected because of the way the government reacted to um the protests previously and how they were trying to um, um well like their responses to nigerians coming onto twitter and sharing what was happening with the protests a few months back and they were like, these things are not just silos. These things are, if you're a business owner and you're watching students um, fight for their rights, and then you're seeing how the government is shutting down students' um, protests online, then what do you think will happen to you when you are not part of that conversation, when it's your turn? And it's one of those things where it's like, um, I think in, in, on the continent, in all of the countries, we always have this issue with how governments respond to digital and tech <laughs> and how they want. It's almost like they try to control it. And um, you see it in whenever it's, it's, it's with different issues. So mostly when it's with protests, but then also now it's moving on to how businesses use um, digital and it's impacting it's impacting them as well so I wanted to get your thoughts on on when things like that happen like as a as a as a startup where do you what is it that you do like how do you um I guess not overcome it but how do you how do you approach that I think first of all I think, you know, spoke about um the lady who wrote that I think what she said is extremely powerful um and and it's important as a, as a startup to always, you must understand the environment in which you work um, and in which we are providing services or products, um, as well as the environment that impacts you. you you're not operating in a society, right? And, mm. and the biggest thing is also understanding the environment in which your customers um, mm. exist in, right? 
And you can only serve better when you understand your stakeholders and customers and what it is that they're going through. So you constantly have to be aware and where it's relevant, you must be part of the movement or part of that process or your voice must be heard, right? Mm -hmm. um, because then you, then you understand that it impacts all aspects of your business. Yeah. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me is uh, what COVID taught me was that, yo, our governments are powerful, right? Mm. I think before we always used to operate with, there was a private sector, there was a government. Yes. And even if you looked at business, it became this thing when government was a hindrance, we always found ways to work around it. Yeah. Um, and you would decide that actually I can't serve government. I'm going to find my little niche and I'm going to do this. And a lot of businesses did that. But what COVID did was that we all had a moment of reckoning and a come to Jesus moment where the government really showed you its power. Yeah. Right. Because um, they said, you can't get out of your house at 7 a.m. Yeah. And this is it. <laughs> right. Yes. And if you realized how much that power yields, yeah. then you can understand the big problem we have when government and private sector or us as startups or private businesses are not in line, mm. right? Like we all have to sit back and think, but how long do we want to be in this situation where we are constantly having to bring governments to where we are? Or how do we meet government yeah. um, where it's at, yeah. right? And mm. I, I, at this stage in my life, I really haven't found thought leadership or, um, I don't know, reading research where I'm, I'm finding this being done well. Mm -hmm. um, and, and maybe that's my lack of knowledge, but um, I'm yet to really see. I mean, yeah, in the first world, I guess that's how you look at the first world and say they're doing it much better mm -hmm. because there's more capital in those markets. Startups have it slightly easier in those markets. Mm -hmm. um, and their governments are more refined. Their governments have embraced technology yeah. um, and they, their governments have embraced the changes in society. Whereas in Africa, we, we have, our governments are also very much driven by our traditions and our cultures, mm. right? And embedded in that is that there's a hierarchy of who speaks and who doesn't speak. Ooh, right and who gets listened to <laughs> that's the other thing who gets listened to and who doesn't get listened to in that hierarchy yeah exactly and and if you you know if in education what i've learned is that the brain of a child is almost a genius level right so mm. generally good ideas come from younger people right the execution of those good ideas is done by more experienced people but yeah. good ideas generally come from younger people. So now you can imagine in a, in, in, in a constitution or society or structure where age defines whether you get listened to or not. How then the young startup, how does, how does the young startup then impact and speak in that type of culture? Oh. So I think that's the struggle we then have in Africa. Yeah, that's such a huge obstacle. And I think it's that's also um it's also prime time like where, where we can talk about how I mean that I think that's one of the biggest obstacles for young entrepreneurs um or young people on the continent in all the 54 states, like you said, I think that's the challenge that they all experience of this obstacle of having of coming up with something great, a great idea, and then trying to implement that idea and then coming across the obstacles that um, older people, people with more experience um, and people who should really be helping you get to implement this thing, they come and go against those obstacles. And I think it impacts um, a lot of young entrepreneurs, young people, their mental health. Um, because you feel like you've come up with this great thing and you're pushing, you're pushing, and you're being told all the time that you know there's youth unemployment, there's this and this and that. Start a business and you start your business and then now you're, you're coming against these obstacles. Um, it's, I feel like this is where we, a lot of the times in the entrepreneurship space, we don't talk about the mental health of somebody who's either self-employed or um, 
uh, or an entrepreneur. Um, what has been your experience when we talk about mental health in for, for self-employed people or entrepreneurs? It breaks my heart. Um, I, I think it breaks my heart because like I said, self-employment entrepreneurship is a very lonely journey. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also a very psychological journey. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think there is a bigger importance in your psyche as an entrepreneur than there is in your actual technical skill. Mm. Mm. Um, and your psyche is driven by your confidence, it's driven by your ego, it's driven by your acceptance, it's driven by your experiences in your personal life mm. um, and your ability to stand in who you are and what you believe in. And that, that requires training mm. um and it requires exposure so particularly in africa for instance where therapy is not a like if i say to you i'm going to therapy your african parents are looking at you like what 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 what, what that yeah <laughs> yeah um you know you you need to understand yourself psychologically and that can only happen through counseling therapy and coaching um, and that's something particularly within Africa, I think, and specifically for black entrepreneurs, that's not, it's not an agenda that's being pushed, right? Mm. We always assume that if you are good, because also as, as Africans, you know, you, you went to school and you were told to perform. So whether you're a doctor and you're going to open your own practice or you're an accountant or you're a developer, whatever, you are meant to excel in that. You are supposed to excel in that, mm. right? Yeah. But the journey of entrepreneurship is the partnership of the two is the technical skill and the relationship that you have with yourself yeah and yeah. get to know yourself and understand yourself better there are a lot of barriers there are a lot of layers that you need to peel at and understand um and i think people take that for granted because it's also a journey that not a lot of people take mm. so entrepreneur is not supported it's always easier to go through something when somebody else has gone through it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, because then they can share their experience with you and make you feel a little bit better. Mm. But entrepreneurs then don't have that. Mm. So they are constantly caught in this cycle of isolation. Yeah. And it, it, it is the entrepreneur who is conscious and aware mm. and, and who is able to let go of their ego. Mm. who will actually then excel so do, right so what sort of support um do you think we currently have for entrepreneurs um when it comes to dealing with with these um obstacles or struggles around mental health the loneliness um the psyche everything like what sort of support structures do you think are currently in, in place that are adequate <laughs> or if you don't feel that they're adequate i guess you could also share share about that a tough question i think there are things in place i mean you see business coaches mm -hmm. right um but again sometimes you see a business coach you know coaching is a thing lately where people go and they you know they train to be coaches and all of that mm -hmm. um but you now want to coach me when you have never been an entrepreneur Ooh. <laughs> 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 you're you're being spicy now. You're being spicy. Yeah, so. I'm being spicy because I'm thinking we're going to have moments in that silent space where I'm looking at you and I'm really feeling like mm. you do not have the immersive experience of what I'm going through. Mm. And so some the, your advice might be helpful, but again, is difficult. So one, I think we are not getting entrepreneurs who have i guess you can say made it or have crossed the rubicon coming back and wanting mm. to mentor and support the younger ones mm. i don't think we have that and yeah. i think that will go further than just business coaching or having yeah. a coach yeah. um but i think you know we also have therapy and i think you know therapy even in your personal space will reveal certain things to you yeah right yeah um that impact your work or your entrepreneurship journey and not necessarily just your personal life and make you evolve as an individual um so those sort of 
support structures exist. But you know, in the SME space and in the startup space, um, there's also then a financial issue, right? Because if I'm gonna get you a leadership coach, business coach in mm-hmm. a startup, always working off, you know, a low base or a thin capital outlay. Mm. And so do I spend money on ensuring that I've got the right developers on my team to push my analytics and product development? Or do I pay for my mental health? Mm. Yeah. 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 You're constantly caught in between that because also when you take on the journey of keeping yourself healthy mentally, it's a journey. It's not a stint. So it's something that you've got to commit to for a prolonged period of time. Yeah. Um, and so it's not, oh, I can have two or three sessions. Sure, those will be helpful, mm. but you want to sustain it because yeah. your business grows, your business goes through changes, and it would be nice to have support throughout that entire process. Mm. 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 And I think, you know, when you, when you look at the stats as well, so what's interesting for me when we look at entrepreneurs um, well, specifically in countries like Zambia, South Africa, Botswana, even Uganda um, and Ghana, um, there are more women entrepreneurs in those countries and they choose entrepreneurship as a way to bring in income into their family, support their communities, contribute to the com- communities. Um, and, you know, from um, MasterCard statistics from last year, I believe they said um, women in South Africa, anyway, um, only 19.4% of business owners in South Africa um, are women a slight increase from the previous year from 2019 and that means that they're at 45 in the global ranking and then you have countries like Botswana where you have 38.5 percent of women are business owners and then in Ghana it's 36.5 percent in Uganda it's 39.6 percent so you have quite a lot of women who are who are going out into um who are choosing entrepreneurship or choosing to be business owners and um, and a lot of the times they don't get the support that um, they need. And like you said, you've, you know, there's many obstacles in, when it comes to that. But what support you as a, as a female business owner, uh, being an entrepreneur in your own journey, what support do you wish you had um, when you were entering the space? I wish I had... I don't know how to quantify it, but I wish people believed. Uh, yeah. um, I think for me, I really wish when I entered this space, people believed in what I said I wanted to do or what I saw or the vision that I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and support means when I sit and I tell you, mm-hmm. you are engaged and you hear me and you see me. Mm-hmm. Um, support from my family, from my friends, from society at large. Because if you don't believe in what I am saying, Mm. um, and if you don't affirm what I am saying, as I do it, it means, again, you become obstacles, right? So when I go into a bank and I look for funding or a fund, you're all looking at me like I'm crazy, (laughs) right? Um, and, and, And I... I constantly think when you think out the box and you want to do something different, people have a hard time believing mm-hmm. you and mm-hmm. understanding you, um, particularly in less developed countries where we want to keep the status quo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just wish that, you know, I had sponsors. I guess yeah. we call them sponsors now. Yeah. I had. I, I had I wish I had sponsors who constantly pushed and believed in what I wanted to do that every day as I was setting it up it wasn't a she's losing her mind mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing and and I think a lot of women go go through that mm-hmm. because also I think men have a men have a way of supporting each other right and not necessarily supporting. I mean, there are men out there who really do support women and that's great. Um, but the support you get from men is always, men, the support that you would get 
for men to men or men to women is very different, mm. right? Mm. If a man says, this is what I want to do, they're like, oh, great, mate, what do you need? Mm. As a yeah. woman, if you walk in and say, this is what I'm thinking I'm going to do, mm. then there's a, could you expand on that a little bit further? <laughs> you know what I mean? Can you justify your idea? <laughs> your yeah. idea more. But then when you look at the numbers, like, you know, I, I, the numbers that I just read about the number, of, the, the percentage of women that are actually doing business or choose entrepreneurship, you would think that there would be more type of support or there would be more people invested in providing that support, especially when you also look at the statistics and how they say um, women in entrepreneurship is only a good thing. Like when women make money, and they, and they make money, especially through um, entrepreneurship or any of their businesses, that money always comes back into the community somehow. It, it does a lot more um, for the community, not just for that, for that woman and her family, but it does, it does like the contribution by women to, um, to the country is also greater and it's, it's felt a lot more. Whereas with men, even though they're supported more in their business ideas, a lot of their those contributions that they make are for their personal advancement and development, which is so weird to me that they that they still continue to get that sort of support if that's what the stats suggest. Don't you think so? I think it's weird, <laughs> but I, it's the way the world has been for a very long time, and so I think this is why we now speak about diversity and inclusion and trying to change you know, the way the the way things have been set up. Mm -hmm. And with change, you know, there's, there's education and change requires time. Mm -hmm. um, so it will take the entrepreneurs of now and the women of now, and even the men of now and the, the male entrepreneurs of now, for us, for them to accept the change and want to make the change, for us to really see, to see a difference, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and and so until until that happens, mm. even if members tell the story, mm. <laughs> it will always, you know, it will always sort of supersede or or, or um, still still be in control of everything that's happening. Yeah. Um, but also, I think, I mean, as you were talking, I kept asking myself, and I could be wrong because I was like. They're interesting statistics. It would be interesting to see what the drivers of those women starting businesses are. Mm. Um, and I, and because I, I, for me, I would say that women are left to take care of their families yes. generally. generally. And so you, when you you are then left to do that, and employment is not an option. Yeah. Um, or employment doesn't create a space where you can raise your kids and you can work at the same time, you decide to build something for yourself. Yeah. And so I think a lot of these women that do start these businesses are driven by the fact that they have to sustain their families. Yeah. And that's, I think that's, that's, that's just, that is um, an accepted, I think that's, I think that's common knowledge, but I think it's a, a fact as well. Um, as much as um, I think from, from the statistics that I got it, I got it from uh, MasterCard. They put out a report every year on um, women-led and women-owned businesses. And especially last year, they did one um, with relation to COVID and how women-led and women-owned businesses were impacted. But um, in other countries, so like in Sweden, the UK, in the USA, um, a lot of people choose their business, like they choose to go into business, they choose to go into entrepreneurship um, in those places because um, they can, they're supported, and it makes sense for them to do so. They would like freedom. So during the during COVID, um, uh, you know, a lot of the the information or the articles I was reading that focused on women-owned and women-led businesses from outside of the continent were basically saying that, you know, they've had to choose, and this doesn't um, minimize the experience, 
Um, it's just to highlight the difference when it comes to whether you choose to be an entrepreneur or whether you are, where you, whether you're forced into it. So for the women who are in the UK and the USA who, or Australia, who had to then take steps back from their businesses or close down their businesses. Um, some of the quotes that I was reading or some of the information that I was reading um, spoke about how they had to do that and then rely on their husband's income um, or rely on the government to take care of them and their kids. And, you know, and it, it, is, it is quite sad. But then when I read the stats and the experience from African uh, women entrepreneurs, um, and the experience is I was forced into this thing. So for me to close my business, it means that my family won't eat. I don't have, I can't rely on a husband's income or it's not enough, or I'm not, I can't rely on the government to give me um, an income while I am trying to figure things out. That's just not an option. And a lot of women um, across from like, from Cape Town to Cairo, was kind of saying that we have been forced into these things because previous to this, it was hard to find a job. So we started a business. Then COVID comes and now we're being told to shut down, lock down, all of these other things. And then I'm now having to close my business or my business or try to keep it alive or try to pivot or whatever the case may be. And now my livelihood is impacted and I can't just go back to work. Um, because that was also another option for some women who had businesses in the UK and the USA. They were like, oh, we were forced to go back to work and being able to find work as well. So I find it so interesting when we talk about um, entrepreneurship as well, in terms of, I mean, we talk about choosing to go into entrepreneurship, but it's some like for African women, most of the times, it's really a choice. Like you said, it is a survival option. That is, it's definitely and majority of women that I've met and worked in the space, um, or even my clients, it was a survival option. My mm. main counterparts or clients, it was a vision, a dream, uh, a, a, a resolution to a problem that they, yes. they saw. Um, but a lot of women, it was you know, I was forced into this thing or not necessarily forced, but I had circumstances that were this way and mm -hmm. entrepreneurship seemed to be the thing that would, would answer all, was the solution to all the problems that I had. Yeah. Um, but shout out to MasterCard because I think MasterCard gives out a lot of good research and data and even um, provides great initiatives for diversity and inclusion and just um impact yeah um i think as an organization they 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 generally try to to actually resolve the problems that exist or contribute mm -hmm. to the resolution yeah uh, for these problems yeah yeah so now let's talk about we've been talking about women entrepreneurs and how you know they've been impacted specifically by you know covid and running businesses their mental health um, how do you advise other women that you come across, whether people within your own space, like your social circle, or even within your professional uh, circles, how do you advise them to just take care of themselves and, and continue to push for their dreams or their professional goals in their current spaces, um, especially in light of COVID? Like the light at the end of the tunnel could be really, really far and very dim right now. So how do you how do you, as, as somebody who's a growth um, specialist, how do you tell them that, look, you know, your dream is valid, take care of yourself, but keep pushing? I think fill your cup. Mm. You know, I think um, people used to say that to me a lot and I never used to get it. And I would give everything to my business. I would give everything to my daughter and I would give everything to the people around me. Um, mm that I cared about or that I needed to give to, never really, and I would always place myself last. So I would be like, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to provide for this, I need to do that. And somewhere in all of this, at some point I'm gonna be able to catch my breath and mm -hmm. then I can't throw myself. And that actually makes you more destructive mm -hmm. um, versus let me fill my cup, yeah. right? Let me 
heal my cup spiritually, emotionally, mentally, so that whatever overflows out of it, I can give to everyone else. Yeah. Everyone else can be my children, can be my team, um, can be my mate, can be my spouse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and only then will you be clear about your vision, about your dreams, and about how to pull it all together versus consistently being in the space of chaos. Yeah. Right. So, so literally fill your cup and seek your peace so that you are moderate in everything that you do. And when I say moderate, I'm talking about your energy. Your energy is, it is, it is a good, calm energy mm. where you can consistently, consciously be present in everything that you do. Mm-hmm. Because as women, I, and I've struggled with it. I don't think we're present yeah. a lot. I think, you know, you'll be in a meeting and you're thinking, oh, two o'clock, I've got to go pick up my son. What am I going to make for dinner? Oh, the product team said they required this and that and this and that. And this is what's happening. Um, and again, always in the state of chaos and never feeling at the end of the day that you've achieved um, and feeling like I was adequate and I was enough. Whereas if you regulate your emotions and your thoughts and always operate from a place of calm and peace, I think you achieve a lot more. Hmm. Wow, that's really lovely. <laughs> I feel like I also feel a little bit affirmed and just, you know, um, yeah, a little bit positive, <laughs> a little bit more positive. I feel like that's really, really lovely. So now we've spoken about some of the negative things, well, a lot of the negative things that are associated with entrepreneurship. But if you could be given your dream job today, like somebody says, okay, pack it up listen, you've done this entrepreneurship thing and honestly and truly, Domsa, we've seen you, 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 you've been working hard and we would like to offer you a job. Who would, become, who, would come, who would come calling that you would say, say less? What time do you need me to be there? Um, do I come to speak to HR or the CEO? Which company gives you that type of vibe that I'm ready to go into full-time employment and you don't even have to ask me twice? Yo, <laughs> question. Um, specific company? Well, it or, doesn't have to be as okay. Or, or your dream role, or the thing that you just feel like if somebody just gave me this job today, like listen, why would I even be here? So, like, speak it out into existence. Like, let's see if we can get the universe, God, whoever it is that you you believe in, to to bring that to you. A company that was funding startups or rolling out different branches of their business across the continent, mm. where essentially each, each country would have its owner, right? Its mm-hmm. own owner that would need to that would need help to establish guide scale and sell. I, I I just love that. Um, yes. So 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 scaling. I mean, I have to name MFS Africa. MFS Africa is one of those companies that I look at and I just think, wow. They <laughs> um, <laughs> really do. Like I I am probably like a child with a crush because I'm just like, man. Um, MS Africa. I hope you're listening. <laughs> you're listening. Somebody pick it up. Uh, yeah. For you. Mm. Yeah, because like I'm saying, the ability to be able to start from one country and scale throughout several countries on the continent and just the opportunity to work with the different customers, the different people, um, the different legislations that exist and still give out a product that makes an impact on other people's lives, for me, mm-hmm. amazing. Okay. Um, so that's, that's, that's the type of role that I would really... And I think it, 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 if it's done by one organization, because right now, essentially, I can work with startups that I bring on, right, uh-huh. on a consultancy basis. Um, but that is, is difficult because I constantly have to context switch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'll be talking health <laughs> and two hours I'm talking education. The next day I'm talking agriculture. And 
and that has its own difficulties and so because it's difficult you kind of feel that there is a delay in the impact that you can make yeah versus one company um scaling throughout the continent and wanting me to sit there and focus on that yeah yeah that's that's it for you that that would be my 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 dream role and again especially if they are actually setting up businesses and 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 training um or requiring um resources that need to bring up their entrepreneurial flair um happy to work with that awesome okay so we're about to wind up i'm even a little bit sad that we're winding up because i really enjoyed this conversation but um (laughs) and anybody who's been listening to it like i said to you in the beginning guys if you don't have your notebook out and you haven't been jotting down the gems like I have then I don't know what to tell you but before uh we go and we we log off um can you is there like any growth tips or hacks that you've given people in the past or any kind of strategy that you've given in the past that just has never failed that's been like your consistent winner yeah I think listening to the customer hey come through yeah yeah I I think I think a lot of the time we create products and um because we think they're great and we think oh how awesome that would be um but we actually haven't done the research to go and find out how your customer within 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 each demographic and within each region or country actually feels about your product yeah when you are in tune with your customer you will always evolve your product or your service into something that is wanted yeah. um, and needed. Yeah. And you can only grow quickly if that's actually what you're doing. Yeah. Um, you, you can waste a lot of time um, producing and developing things that your customer actually never asked for or never wanted. Which is what and, I think, I, I think why I like digital media or social media um, platforms for that, for that, very same reason that it allows us to listen to customers and actually have customers give us feedback and not just customers in like let's say you have a company in Zambia but customers even outside of Zambia who come across your service and like okay look I like what you're doing and I'm based in South Africa but um, I asked you a question about do you deliver to to outside of Zambia and your answer is a giving me you know it's not really (laughs) convincing me to purchase but i would like to purchase it kind of gives you consideration be like i've never thought of 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 shipping outside zambia and then i have this one client or maybe two clients or three clients who have interest in my product let me think about how to scale and deliver to these clients outside i feel like that that stuff is so um valuable because normally what you would have is like you'd have your your physical store and you would have to wait for people to pass by now you have these digital presences and then you have people coming past and telling you okay this is what i like this is what i don't like um and giving you like really free free market research um access so i like that i like that. <laughs> i do i like that your customer have a pulse of your customer have a relationship yeah. uh, with your customer. And, yeah. and I think your business will grow. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So now we are done for today. I'm really, really grateful that you came onto the podcast. We had this chat. Um, and obviously there's going to be somebody who's like, okay, Mkuka, you've introduced us to Nomsa and it's great, but we haven't had enough of her. Uh, we want more of her. Where can people get in contact with you? Where pe- can people find you? Where can people access these thoughts that you have? Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I get embarrassed when you specifically ask me that question as a digital media marketer person. <laughs> this is the thing. And I, and, and I say to all my startups, I'm like, we should, be, we should have digital presence, but I'm not... Uh, I'm not practicing what I preach. Um, so I'm still struggling with my social media. Yes. <laughs> um, but, but LinkedIn is a, is, is, is a Bible for me. No um, problem. So, so people can find me on LinkedIn. Um, Sakhamid bin Nomsa Sisa is the full name that you can find on LinkedIn. 
Um, Ethereal Advisory is the business name that you can that you can find, and hopefully soon people will be able to then find us on. Um, I, I'm a Insta Instagram. Uh, I want to be on Twitter, but Twitter makes me nervous though. <laughs> <laughs> why does Twitter make people know? Okay, I don't know. I understand why Twitter makes people know. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's going to be all about the content, um, you know, the content producer that I get. Mm. Uh, but but yeah, that's where you can basically find me. Okay, awesome. So guys, you've heard where you can look for her. But obviously, if you are a Mama Fixer digital Fan, you know that you can also um, find out where Nomsa is and contact us through um, our Instagram at Mama Fixer Digital on Instagram, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Mukuka Chanda on LinkedIn, obviously on Twitter. I'm not there either. So, <laughs> so it's not like I understand. No, but with Twitter, it's a totally different conversation, but you can always use the hashtag yeah. Mama Fixer Digital or Mama Fixer Podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not, look, Twitter is, it has its moments. I always say this, it's a great research tool for companies, um, brands, businesses. There are people who love and engage with Twitter. You don't have to be on every social media platform. You have to make sure that it makes sense for you. Um, strategy, strategy, strategy. But yes, so thank you so much, Namsa, for joining us. Guys, we'll see you next time on the next podcast with the next awesome guest. Thank you so much. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Mama Fixer Digital Podcast. If you have any questions about anything that you've heard in this episode, please feel free to email me at communications at mukukamayuka.com. See you next week.